You're listening to the Relationship-Centered Learning Podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I'm back for the second part of my interview with Dr. Basil Marin. Such a powerful conversation, we could not just stop it at one episode. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You wouldn't be the exception. You wouldn't be the unicorn. Yeah, no. And it's interesting because... As I try to tell people, I, you know, I've had some people say, wow, you, you really, you really like you cut against the grain. Right. And I have somebody has said the word, you're like a unicorn in restorative practices because I don't fit the mold. I mean, one, you have a white guy saying these things and it's so funny. And I will say, you talk about earlier, you say like cut to the core, right? I was doing a presentation in the Houston area and I won't mention that the school district, but I got done my regular presentation. It is powerful and impactful school to prison pipeline data, stories, anecdotes. I mean, it's full of everything that you need. But at the end, it was the first time I ever had this gentleman walk up to me and he was African-American and he said, man, hey, Kevin, I really appreciate today's presentation. Learned a lot, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was very affirming. And then he just said, but I don't appreciate a white man telling me about a black or brown problem. Mm. And can I tell you, and I'm being very, very, very honest here. My staff is very diverse. They came rushing in my people of color, right? Particularly my gentleman of African-American, my female. And they came in and they were like, hey, 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 hey. And I, and they were like, hey, so if it was, you know, if he had made the presentation, would it have been better? And he was like, yeah, you know. And so, you know, we had a long conversation, but we had a three hour drive back, Basil. And I would not lie to you. There was, you talk about doubts and fears. All of a sudden I'm driving back and going, hey guys, am I the problem? You know, he was, because he said, well, all of your stories have students of color. And I said, 80% of my population was of color. So right, I do, right, I'm like, right. so do I need to change the names and the color of the skins of the students to lie right. to you, to make you like, right. that's just, that was my reality. I'm sorry that 80% right. of my students that work through this restorative program right. were of color. How right. am I, you know, but literally I drove back kind of in tears wondering what do I need to do? And they were so afraid. They were like, Kevin, it's not you. We, you know, right. how many times have we done this? This is not you. Right. But I will tell you, man, and I'm going to be very honest here. I grew up as a minority. In other words, I always grew up around students of color, whether it be right. black or brown. But essentially, it was the first time I ever felt white. Mm. And I'm being very, it was the first time That's some deep. person ever made me feel white. I'm not going to say it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. And mm. I'm not saying that I didn't need to experience it. That's not where I'm going. Right. But it was just the context surrounding that, that me, and I will tell you, I reflected. I became very, and there was two words you mentioned earlier that I love you for, intentionality and sustainability. Oh my God. When we go into schools, I try to tell them, you can't wing relationships, people. Like you can't, just, like some of you can, and that's about 10% of the population, right? right. <laughs> and then here's my philosophy in schools. 10% of your population can excel and rise to the, that's your cream of the crop, right? Listen, there's 10% that ain't going to do jack, no matter what. So it's that 80% in the middle that just says, tell me what to do, Right. Right. It, they just without intentionality and, and then you won't get sustainability. And it's really hard to say, if you don't say, how am I going to build relationships with my kids today? And you don't have a plan to do it. 
and you're not in that 10% that just naturally does it, then you're not going to do it because if it's not planned, it's not going to be intentional. Then it's not going to start to be in the fabric and woven into the, what you do every day in the classroom. Then it's mm -hmm. going to be one more thing on your plate. And so mm -hmm. as we kind of shift to that relationship piece, does that resonate with you when I talk about if you're not going to be intentional about building relationships because you're being intentional about the things that you're doing? Does that make sense when it comes to that? Absolutely. So so the relationship piece is so huge. That That's always been I, that's something I spoke about for when I spoke about Miss Sanction earlier and that she passed me my junior year, it was the relationship pieces. Like I said, how she made me feel, right? Even when I thought she snitched on me or whatever, she always did it with love, with, with respect. And it's really that, and kids are the, are the main, dude, kids can sniff out somebody who's fake. They have if a BR meter, a be real meter. If you're not about it and you're not serious, a kid will sniff you out in a heartbeat. And so I tell my, my, my <laughs> teachers all the time in PDs, if you don't, I'm teaching them how to build relationships and whatnot. But if you're not sincere, don't mm -hmm. just say this because I'm telling you to say it because you're going to be Ooh. called out. Right. I said, the kids will know. I said, but you, you got to genuinely care. And so let me go back to something you, you said earlier, Kevin, because it, it, it's so deep. And I've never heard anyone say it like that. Okay. But I can resonate with you as being a black male. When you just, right. when you said it was the first time I felt white, mm -hmm. that's deep. Okay. Be that, that's deep. And I appreciate you saying that because I tell people all the time, I can't turn my blackness off. Yes. I can't go to Walmart today and say, I'm just not going to be black today. Or I can't go to, you know what I'm saying, Starbucks and be like, I'm not a black man. I'm not a black, like, I can't turn it off, right? Right, right. And so something you, you said, the way the way he made you feel, made, that made you reflect on what you were doing, that's where the change happens. That's where the transformation happens. And that's mm -hmm. that's why I'm so sincere about this work, because uh, Lifetime has been so successful for a long time, the channel Lifetime. And why mm -hmm. has Lifetime been so successful? They're successful because yeah, the stores are cheesy or whatever. Sometimes you know it's all you know. The people say chick flicks, but the thing is, is that a Netflix movie goes makes you go through all the emotions in mm -hmm. an hour and a half, two hours. Mm -hmm. It makes you happy. It might make you sad. It might make you cry, and then it might bring it back to a happiness towards the end, right? But the thing is, even if someone in that 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 movie has cancer. Kevin, you can feel sad in that moment, but then you take your TV off and say, okay, I'm going back to my life. I'm good. Right. Because it wasn't you. Right. 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 So, so you can remove yourself from it. Right? right. And so my point of saying that is when the guy said to you what he said, you had to live in that moment for a second and say, Ooh. okay, what I'm going to tell you is this, our kids have to live in that moment every day. No, I totally agree with you. <laughs> no, 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 no. And That's I was... No, I wasn't I, even. I appreciate you saying, but I appreciate you saying that because until the teachers understand that, right, they're they going to get doing it. What they're going to, what they keep doing, what was told to them in the box from their from their graduate program was okay. They're going to keep living. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. Right. And both of these misunderstandings mm -hmm. cause the convolution that happens in education. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's so interesting you say that because one of the things that I experienced when I first started presenting professional development was, is I was running into this wall of biases, beliefs, ideas, you know, past traumas, all these ideas, yeah. things. And so what I started to notice and really God put on my heart, to be honest with you, it comes from that, that studies in that Christian ministry was, it was like, stop trying to convert them. Though mm. so I was coming in with this, like, I'm going to come in and convert you to see this perspective from these kids' point of view, and I'm going to do all these things, right? 
So what I started doing and I started really praying and started understanding, he was really like, he was all about conviction. Mm. You know, the, 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 heart, the change comes from the heart, right? Mm. So now I'm very direct at the very beginning within the first five minutes say, I'm not here to convince you. I'm not here to convert you. And I'm not here to condemn you. I'm simply here to convict you. I'm going to give you great information today. I'm going to hit you in your head. I'm going to hit you in your heart. But if you choose to leave today the same person you were today, there's nothing I can do about it. And to be honest, I joke with them and say, I get paid the same. I don't get paid by conversion, right? So at the end of the day, I need you to understand that because my job is not to say, oh, well, he's converted and he's converted because that gets me a paycheck. I'm not even doing this for a paycheck. There's some schools I'll do it for free because they can't afford it. It's not even about the money. It is now my ministry to come in and say, listen, I'm going to give you real school with real pictures and real videos and real anecdotes and real data. And if that doesn't convict you, that's okay. Right. It's the best I got. What I started to notice is people start like this at the beginning mm -hmm. of the day. And before you know, they're kind of open. And then, right. you know, they're like, wow, you know, I didn't expect this to be like this today. And I said, exactly, because we're genuine and we're authentic and we're not here to sell something. We're not here to like increase our egos or sell you a product. We're here to make a right. difference. And if you can't resonate and see that passion in me, then, then I need to retire because that's the one thing they're like, wow, you're really passionate about that. I said, hell yeah. I left public education, people. I left yeah. my salary, my benefit, everything that you rely on in education. Yeah. Cause we know teachers don't do it for the pay. Right. You do it, you do it as a calling, but you also, but you also do it as a, you know, you have that consistent, I get a paycheck each month. You okay. sell, you know, I get medical insurance, you know, get those things. And I said, I left all of those. For an unknown, because I could no longer, as you said, stay in the box and watch a system that was failing kids. I got to do something better about it, mm -hmm. you know? So thinking about it this way, you mentioned earlier, I understand the reason I say this is, is because where I'm heading, I have been national educators for restorative practices. You know, we were Texas before, but I've been doing restorative practices for five years. Restorative practices has really given me a platform to really understand the school to prison pipeline, to really understand the bang for our buck when we proactively build relationships. And then, like I said, on the flip side, using differentiated discipline to find alternatives for suspensions, particularly for our students of color. So I get all that. But what's interesting is there are some school districts that refuse to even work with us because we have the word restorative practices. Like, they still have that mindset, right? Like, oh no, that's kumbaya, too touchy, too feely, not enough teeth. And it's interesting because I was doing this for the last two years, but the pandemic has really kind of slowed us down to be able to do that. I'm rebranding in 2021 as RCL. So what RCL basically is, it's the proactive methodology of building relationships with kids under the same way as I've done in our restorative practices, just a new, new storefront, right? Relationships right. and learning, but we're really fine tuning it. And we're developing teacher workbooks and resources and guides and everything for it. But here's what I want to ask you, because as the pandemic hit and you got and everybody was going back to school, man, there were so many pressures put on us from social from the social media, right? Black Lives Matter, yeah. race, culture, diversity, trauma. Kids have been in school. So there was a lot that you guys as administrators were having to address needs of students. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what was what I started to notice, though, was is that a lot of schools were grabbing initiatives to address all of those needs. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that th that shouldn't happen. Okay. My question is, when we grab these initiatives, what if we don't even know each other? How mm -hmm. are we going to talk about race, diversity, culture? How are we going to really mm -hmm. make, how? Are we, and so even on social emotional learning and now I'm not attacking so SEL. So I want to make this very clear to you and listeners. 
I think social emotional learning, once we developed, right, that view and that criteria, it was so impactful, much needed for education. What I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to compete with SCL, I'm trying to get in front of it. And here's why. If you look at social emotional learning, the five competencies, competency number four is relationship building, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. how many times do we talk about building relationships as a foundation for everything, right? But we're but what SEL in my mind has done is just kind of blended it with the five, right? So you're simultaneously building relationships. Why are you doing that? So I came up with this phrase that said, build your school on a rock of relationships instead of the sands of initiatives. Mm. And the reason I say that is, is because if you grab all of these other initiatives, including social emotional learning, which I'm not putting it down, it's going to come in a content form. It's going to come in a notebook that's going to say, all right, we're going to learn about community. We're going to learn about empathy, right? We're going to learn about those things. And all I'm saying is, as before we learn about those things, what if we just got a chance to know each other just like you and I did at the beginning of the show? And the reason I say that is, it's because during the Black Lives Matter movement, when we were really hitting a peak, me and a couple of my coworkers got on, we did a video to kind of promote and support that, right? But I had Denise, who's my co-founder, and Donald, who's one of my lead presenters, who's a principal in Round Rock at an alternative school. We jumped on a conversation to re-record and it wasn't rehearsed and it wasn't to just, you know, it was to have a conversation. Right. But can I tell you, Basil, the three of us are really close. And I told him, I said, okay, this is uncomfortable. How in the hell are we just going to jump into a conversation about race? Like, there's no segue. Like, we're not like whatever, right? And that's and it really hit me. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, even if you know each other, and if you don't know each other, it's hard enough. I right. mean, if you know each other, it's hard enough. If you don't right. know each other, how if we don't get a chance to just know each other on what I call the GTKY, just getting to know who you are as a person, right. then you can put social, emotional learning, race, culture, diversity, trauma-informed practices, all those other things. And so I'm just fighting to say, what about the rock of relationships? Because what, it's, what initiatives do and what, what they do is they blend relationships, they don't build them necessarily. So when, I, when you hear all of that, what are your thoughts? I'd love to hear him. I love the the, uh, the analogy of the rock because you do because I I firmly believe that education has to go back to relationships. We're, right. we're in the business of people, right? Amen. Uh, and so what, one of the images that comes to me is like you go to Walmart, you go to the you go to the, the return desk, you don't know who you're gonna speak to there. They could be a little crazy and start snapping at you, and you start snapping at them. But typically, when the the manager comes out after them, there's someone who's really nice. They're going to phrase it in a nice way. They bring you back down. Like, you know, and so they have a little bit more training in how to develop a relationship on the spot because that's right. what they're going to have to do. Ooh, good um, analogy. So I think in education, so I think about that as assistant principal, I think about my role is, is to come out and be that manager because okay. I got I to gotta de-escalate you, right? Or a principal or a superintendent, that's your role is to de-escalate it. So for me, we got to get back to relationship, but I'm going to tell you what makes the work of equity so hard is mm -hmm. because you have to speak about, you have to speak about the things that are so sensitive and no one wants to speak about, right? Agreed. The elephant that's in the room, right? Yes. And so when you, so I've seen people that I'm I'm giving my story and everybody's feeling great. And then I, I bring in school to prison pipeline and it's just like, Ugh. like, cause, cause no one's ready to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's real. Like yeah, it's real. Like, Kids are getting in trouble from school and going straight to, to prison. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And and people just don't, oh, no, we can't definitely be doing that education. But we are. And so I've seen it where there are jail systems, right? California is one of the highest ones where they spend $64,000 a year on an inmate, mm -hmm. but spend $27,000 on a kid. Agreed. Why are they not flipped? 
And then Oakland, Eric Butler told me he's a big restorative practitioner. He told me the difference between selling drugs and going to college is, is, is uh, algebra. He said, if we don't get algebra, right, we can't. So he said, if we don't pass algebra, we go into the streets. If we pass algebra, at least, you know, now we have an opportunity to move forward. So he told me algebra is like the gatekeeper of those kids in Oakland on whether wow. they're, and so, man, I was like, I didn't mean to cut you off, but oh, I mean, you, that, you that, 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 but I'm saying like, that's the kind of stuff that when you put it in front of people, they want to be like, no, there's no way, right? right and so right. that's why I said, is it, what do they need? Do they need data? They need a personal story. They need something that impacts them. I mean, that's where I struggle when in my work is because everybody, some people want data. So I do data at the end. Some people want a passionate story. Some people want to see it in action. Like everybody has these different ways of, of coming to terms with the reality that equity is a huge piece that we're missing in education. I think, I think you have to have a little bit of both, mm-hmm. right? You have to have, you have to have a compelling story that they can, that, that they can touch. Right. Right. And that's why for me, you know, there's times, you know, I don't want to self-promote myself or whatever, but yeah. I'm, I'm a living testimony of, mm-hmm. the, of the system, right? And so when I get opportunities to speak or to share my story, it is to let people, not, it's not to flaunt myself, but to let people know, like you like, like you said at the very beginning, it's the it's the level of impact. It's the about impact that you can have on kids, right? Mm-hmm. You can have on changing people's lives. And so you, you have to have the compelling story as well as the data that will back it up because those are two things that, that, I love how you said touching your head, touching your heart. The data and the story will touch you in your heart. Yes. Right. And that's yep. and that's when the change you have to grapple with it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so when you start grappling with a different way, that's when you start to say, let me look at this again. Okay. So so what the, what Kevin's saying is, and you start thinking about it. And then and then those teachers start to recognize, dang, I, I am part of the of what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I give people examples of. You know, nobody wants to hear anybody screaming at 7.30 in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning. But we stay doing that. Like a kid's coming down the hallway with a hood on or earbud in and we're screaming and hollering, take the earbud out. Why is your hood on? But if I if I was in your community this morning you, when you were picking up your newspaper, would you want me screaming at you this morning? Mm-hmm. No. So when I come over and I'm like, hey, my man, take the hood off for me, please. Well, I, that's, just, that's just a policy, my man. I appreciate you. That's it. I got the same result. But mm-hmm. I wasn't screaming and hollering. And I wasn't chasing them down the hallway, mm-hmm. right? Do you want someone chasing you down the hallway? No. So why would we do that to kids? And we use our power of authority. I'm a teacher. So you're going to do it because I said you're a teacher. That's all one-on-one. That's relationship one-on-one. That's why we tell students. That's why I tell educators, hey, about that old playbook, right? Mm-hmm. I said, so today is going to be a 2020, now a 2021 playbook, right? right? So on the very first page, they have to write down. Students no longer listen to me and comply with me because I'm an adult. And they just kind of look at me. And I said, what? That's the reality. I said, you know, unfortunately, we grew up where it was a time where we didn't question and we just listened to whatever adults told us. And they said, but but that's the way it should be. And I said, no, no, no. Listen, I completely understand the perception of that. I said, but what you're not getting is, is unfortunately, the reality of today's students, right? When we grew up, we didn't have the internet, videos, all these things that were in our face. We didn't know adults made mistakes. We were taught adults don't make mistakes. Adults are always right. Adult, you just listen to adults. Now kids are seeing presidents, politicians, Mm -hmm. leaders, teachers, people of all races, all colors and all occupations screwing up on the internet, right? right. So then they're like, why the hell should I listen to you? You ain't no different than that other person that does made a mistake. But I get that. 
And as you said, so like you said, if I want a kid to get a hat or a hoodie, then I've got to build a relationship and a rapport with them. That's it. That's but, it. But there's so, but that's what I'm saying. They're stuck in 1990 mm. and they're using that playbook and, and they pull it out every year. Right. And that's what I try to tell them. If you don't get up to speed and understand students no longer listen to us and comply with this because we're adults, then get out of education. Right. Because as you mentioned earlier, like that's our reality. Because I would tell you, I think the biggest thing happened at Ed White, we, we were piloting restorative practices and I had a teacher who was teaching 33 years. We had more community building circles, more, she had two or three kids, particularly, and, and these were my boys, right. boys of color, right? So three black kids and she would always give them hell. And so I would come in and I would build relationships with her. I would put on the board, Little, I had a 45 minute conversation with three, with no two kids. And on the board, I said, okay, where do you rank school in your life? And we showed it and it was down low. Right. Really? And what do you rank? And they were like shoes, girls, family, money, you know? And I said, let's just be honest. I ranked school. Then I said, where does, and then once you get in school, where do you rank math? Cause this was math, right? Much like reading for you, right? They're like, we suck right. at math. So math's at the bottom. Yeah. What I was trying to show her was this is a canvas of these two kids. And you. I need you to understand where math plays in their life, right? Whoa. So what's funny is, <laughs> this is not funny, but I literally had a 45 minute like mediation, not mediation, but just bringing her to almost oh, church, Jesus. right? Like bringing you on the, <laughs> and like, lady, look, these are my kids and they're not, and here's the deal. This is no lie. The very next day, less than 24 hours, I'm sitting at my desk and all of a sudden they walk in. And I said, what are y'all doing here? And she, they're like, she kicked us out. I said, you are kidding me. Less than one day after all that powerful thing, right? Ooh. So listen, I don't even know, had a meeting with her and she, this is what she said. Maybe I need to retire. And I now, and the reason I say this is Basil, I did not push her out. And now right. people can say uh -huh. you did. No, I told her, Susan, no, I don't want you to leave. That's not, right. that's not, <laughs> I just want you to hear the kids. I want that's you to right. see their story. That's I want right. you, and she said, I've been doing this so long. I don't know if I can do that. Mm, it's ingrained. Right. And so here's what I told her. Wow. And so I have the utmost respect mm -hmm. that she retired on her own terms. Mm, yep. And I don't think, and she, however you want to spit it, kids didn't push her out. I think she finally came to the self-realization. I don't know after 33 years if I can do what's needed today to meet right. these kids' needs and give them access for what they need, That's which is right. a teacher that can see right. past either, and she never admitted it, but if she can see past the color of the skin or their behaviors. I'm gonna tell you that, as, this is so funny you talk about math, right? Right. That principal, that's another one of my favorite speakers, Principal Kefele, and he said this one time when he was speaking, and I said, oh, that right there, if I could coin this phrase, this is all of education. He said, are you teaching math or are you teaching Matthew? Are you teaching math or are you teaching Matthew? sometimes you have to teach the child, right? You got to teach to the child and you you have to, they have to believe in your belief in them before they believe it. Mm, well said. Right? Yeah. And so that's what happened to me when I was, when I was a, a, a student was I, when I'm speaking, I have this picture of a cat, of a kitten that's looking into a puddle of water. Right. But in the puddle of water in the reflection, there's a tiger. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. And so I know you, I know you've seen that. And so I tell people, I tell people that, Miss Sankson saw the tiger, even though I felt like the kitten. You go, yes, no. And so, so kids do that all the time. But, but you have to have a relationship to speak to the tiger and to allow the tiger to to matriculate. And for the kitten to matriculate to the tiger, they have to have a, a relationship for that to happen. And for me to trust you 
to make myself vulnerable to mm-hmm. have to go through the math or through the algebra or through the whatever literacy for mm-hmm. reading for me to have to even want to do this assignment there i've had kids tell me plenty of times kevin all right all right dr Moran, i'll do this for you no it ain't oh. even i'll do it for you like and i'm like oh you do it's not even about me okay <laughs> do it for me get the good grade and pass the class okay i mean i mean dude i had a kid this summer a hispanic kid 20 years old in high school okay 20 years old, legally in one year can go out and buy a bottle. <laughs> right. So he, I came on board last year. He failed two classes. And I, when I tell you, he he also was the first in his family to graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. Right. Parents came across uh, the border, like swam over. Like I'm talking about the whole non-story. Right. Right. So there's also that label of who am I to be the first one in, this, in my family to be able to graduate from high school. So you have those fears, you have those doubts. Mm-hmm. So this kid, I kept pushing him. I was texting him. I was calling him. I mean, I was on him. And these two classes, he failed. And we start school here in August and we end in May. So May came and he didn't pass the class. So this kid li- literally looked at me and said, all right, Dr. Moran, I did what I can do. I'm done. I said, no, nah, we're not done. What do you, we're not done. So we got summer school. He was like, man, I, I'm done. I've done all I can do. I said, dude, you, you're so close. All you got to do is pass these two classes and you graduate with a high school diploma and you have your passport for anything else you want to do in life. And he looked at me and said, all right, Dr. Moran, I'll do it for you. He's like, you, yeah. you, you're you, so worrisome. Like, I'll do it for you. Like, I don't want to have to hear you no more. <laughs> no. Dude, the, day, the day that, so he did those two classes. We got right. on eligibility. He did his quest. He did his things. But dude, so then then COVID hit. Or, or, or so, yeah. So then, yeah. So COVID hit over the summer or whatever. And he came into school. And dude, when I tell you, he, he so the counselor was get, were giving out the diplomas, right? And she came to me and said, Dr. Brent, I want you to give him his diploma because you worked with him so hard. So, dude, I sat there and gave him his diploma and he just looked at it for like 10 minutes. He just looked at it. Wow. And that made it all worth it. Absolutely. That moment right there made it all worth it. And he just looked at me and he and the tear just started rolling. He was like, I'm the first person in my family to get this. And I, and I kept saying, and I'm going to give him a trip. I said, Wilfredo, you just changed the trajectory of your family. Amen to because that. Because your kids are now going to have to have a high school diploma or higher because yeah. you have it. I, That's I was, the impact of education, man. That's man, if you if, if you could capture that moment where you just described and put it in a bottle, hmm. Basil, and then on those other teachers when they have, you know, those teachers that were like, we just could, Sprink- oh, <laughs> right, we could be sprinkling like holy water, whatever, right? Like, just like, you need That's some it. of this, right? That's it. Uh, because yeah. I was the first one, to, I was the only one to graduate, well, even to go to college out of my family. Oh. So I was the only one to attend it and graduate it. And so it's interesting because my daughter was going to college and she was struggling Mm. and uh, she grew up with her mom. I was a high school coach traveling all over the Texas. So, but it was interesting. She was, I think it was her freshman or sophomore year. It was beginning of college. And I told her this, Basil, she was, her mom was on her butt, failing classes, not going to class, different things. Right. And she said, what do you think? And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, why are you going to college? She Mm. said, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I said, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. I said, so, but are you going to college for you? Mm. And she was like, well, I never really thought about it. And I said, well, look, here's all I can tell you about life. I said, if you are intrinsically not motivated to go to college, because your mom didn't go to college, but I did, right? right. I said, look, but here's what I tell you. Did I drop out of classes? Yes. Did I go to late to classes? Absolutely. And Basil, don't even shoot me. You're laughing. It took me seven and a half years to finish college. You were talking about long-term. Yeah, dude. No, bro. No, no, no. In the middle of my senior year, two-thirds of the way in the last semester of student teaching, I walked away from college. I'm not kidding. So 
I walked away from college, one third away from graduating from my college degree with my bachelor's in the middle of student teaching, I walked away. I had a horrible breakup with a fiance. It just didn't go well. I left the state. I went to Colorado for a year. I started riding bulls. I didn't even worry about school. And then I came back a year and a half later to finish, but it took me, but here's what I told my daughter to go back to that story. As I said, look, sweetheart, until you start going to school for you, mm. you really won't understand like why you should go to school. Right. And I remember, and so she said, are you telling me not to go to school? I said, no, no, your mom's gonna, no, no, no. That's not what I'm telling you. Don't even go home to your mom and say, that's it. That's, that's, don't even open that Pandora's box. No, right. <laughs> what I told her was, I want you to continue to go to college because I know it will help you. As you mentioned with a high school diploma, I know it's gonna open up so many doors for you. But what I told her was, is when you go to your classes, I'm gonna ask you a few questions. Mm. Here's what I'm gonna ask you. Cause her mom was on her about her grades and everything. And I said, look, I'm gonna ask you, did you go to all your classes? Mm. Did you turn all your assignments in? And did you do your best, right? Yeah. Right. And if you can tell me you did, you went to all your classes and you didn't miss any assignments and you turned everything and you got a C, I'm going to be, that, that's an amazing C because you did everything you had. So it was finally her junior or close to senior year. And when she was like, oh my God, I'm almost finished, dad. And I was like, how does that feel? She was like, I'm excited. And I said, now that sounds different from the girl that freshman early in the year when I was like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I hate eight o'clock classes and I don't right. want to, I said, because nobody makes you. You have yeah. to go now on your on your own, right? right? And so I just think that as you mentioned for him, I'll do it for you. I, I didn't necessarily want her to do it for me. I wanted her to do it for herself at that level, right? But mm -hmm. I do agree that I've had so many kids that have said, for you, Mr. Curtis, I'll put my hat up. For yep. you, Mr. Curtis, I'll go to class. For you, and I try to get to tell the teachers to that. If you have to call me to your classroom to get them to move seats. Right. Come on now. And when you do that, you've already lost your power because now I'm going to do it for Mr. Curtis, but I'm not doing it for you. I mean, so you've it, lost it, your power. It, and all that is, is a fracture, in it, either a fracture or you never had a relationship to begin with. Right. Anyway, that's right. And, and what does Rita Pearson say? Kids, uh, kids mm -hmm. don't learn from people they don't like. They don't like. That's right. right. So I, I and I tried to tell him. You know, Joe Beckman, uh, he was on the first episode. He said, man, Kevin, there's, you know, we talk about that 10% that is really good at building relationships, right? But he said, Kevin, not everybody is you, me, or Basil, or anyone else that can really speak like that. He said, so what do you do with those teachers? And, and I said, well, what do you do? And he said, too many teachers are trying to be extraordinary when, it, when they do the best connections, when they're just ordinary. Yeah, that's the truth, though. Well, see, and Dave Stewart talks about these moments of genuine, he calls them MGCs, moments of genuine connection. So mm -hmm. it's interesting as you unpack your stories today, Basil, all you're talking about is a moment mm -hmm. of genuine connection. Right. And what I can't get the teachers to digest is all it takes sometimes is that one moment. Yeah. How many times has it, has it where you had one thing where all of a sudden, you either knew the song or something you could relate with the kids, right? And all of a sudden they're like, oh, hell, look at this man, <laughs> right? You know, like, I see you in a different light because yeah. they saw you ordinary, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden when you're ordinary, you're vulnerable without even realizing it. Right. Does that make and then, sense? Yeah, and then you, and you come off of a pedestal because a lot of times for kids, you're on this pedestal that I can't reach you. You're better than me, right? And, that, and so many teachers, want kids to feel like that i yeah i am better than you and i wear a cape and you can't beat me but no you're i, I bleed just like you right i was the kid I, I was you i was struggling only difference between you and i now is i'm a little older and i got more degrees than you that's it i'm that's you it. know and i see i see the potential you have but it's all i'm telling you every position i've even now as an administrator when i connect with teachers it's about relationships 
When I'm telling teachers now, hey, you should go for your EDS, go, have you thought about leadership? Mm-hmm. That's embedding those genuine moments and saying, and they'll be like, I never thought I'd be an administrator. I can't be you. I'm like, you can. You ain't got to do what I do, but you right. can find your own track of doing it. And I've had, even my last school I was at there for two years, I've had five teachers who are either currently working on the admin now or are about to be working on it that made an impact. And so I, let me go back real quick to a story. Yeah. Thanks. him. so she, um, I think she's on a 26 year like education now, but um, I remember asking her one day, now this is way after I graduated or whatnot. I think this is after my first master's if she would get a, um, admin certification to be like, to be an administrator. She's like, mm-hmm. Oh no. I can never be assistant principal. I can't do the politics. I can't do all the red tape. I No, it would never be me, right? And I said, okay. I said, okay. I said, but you don't have to be assistant principal. You can be, I think at that point, I was either working on mine or I had just finished it. I said, you can be a coordinator of, of English or ELA. There's other things you can do. You don't got to just be an AP. Mm-hmm. She was like, mm, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. And one thing she did say was a lot of times she's seen people who become APs, which I agree people lose themselves. They get this new title, they get this, this money and they don't know how to act. They, they just become, you can't tell them anything. Right. And they, and they lose themselves in the title, either the work is, is so daunting or they really truly believe that they're better than other people. Right. Like it could have been, I was teaching with you real same level. Now, like you said, I'm, I'm an AP, I'm Mr. So-and-so and I'm better than you. Right. And she said, I, I just can't, I can't do that. And what, one thing she did tell me was, Basil, you're one of the few people I've seen who is still genuine and down to earth and real, and that's an administrator. So I said, okay. I said, but you'll never get your admin? She was like, nah, it's not for me. So two Christmases ago, we were just talking, and um, she's like, oh, I'm working on, um, I, I asked her what, she, you know, was a book or anything she's working on? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm about to finish my internship. And I said, internship? <laughs> and I said, internship for what? She said, oh, my admin cert. I said, the hut on Miss Sanction. I said, because <laughs> you just told me two years ago, you would never in your life. And she was like, yeah, but after we talked about it, I really did some soul searching. And she was like, you're right. I don't have to just be an AP. I can, I can, I can do something else. And she's like, you know, Basil, you, again, I go back to your story. You really have shown me that I don't have to lose myself and I can still be me mm-hmm. and still have those credentials behind my name. And she said, so I know, and she'll, if, we were, if she was on the podcast right now, she'll tell you. She'll tell you, Bezos, you gave me way too much credit for you being successful. Every graduation I've had, Kevin, she has been there mm. to remind her of the impact. Undergrad, my master's, EDS, and I had like a little um, Zoom Web celebration for my, for my doctorate because I couldn't really do any, you know, COVID and whatnot. And she was there. And that was that, it just blessed me so much, man. And she said, you know, Basil, allowing me to be on this journey is a, is a teacher's dream, mm. right? You, you yes. hope a child would take the, the influence you did have way back then and allow it to come to fruition. But she said, you know, what he doesn't, and this blessed me the most. She said, what he doesn't, you know, he gives me all this credit, you know, 15, 18 years later. She said, but what he doesn't understand is he had he had a significant impact on me. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I'm about to finish my, my, my admin license and it's because of him. I, I think back to how many conversations, because like you, I think I had a principal that said, have you ever thought about leadership? And, you know, so I think a lot of those seeds get planted that way. But if I, if, if I circle back to what you said, I, I didn't lose myself and I think I became uppity. Here's how I lost myself, Basil. And I don't know how you feel about this. I struggled when I was a teacher, you work for kids, right? Yeah. And work with and for kids primarily. Where I struggled, where I where I think I lost myself, is I saw you start working for adults, 
Yeah. And, and I say this and I tell people all the time, don't get offended teachers, but teachers are much harder to work for than kids. <laughs> and so what I started yeah. realizing, and I have tons of testimonies to this, Basil, but what I started realizing is now as an assistant principal, they don't want you to care for the kids. Mm-hmm. They want you to discipline That's kids, right? right. So right. I always, I, I always call, I, I know. So I try <laughs> to tell them. I guarantee you, Basil, when they hire an assistant principal, nobody says, man, I hope that assistant principal cares about kids. They say, I hope that assistant principal can discipline kids, that's, right? That's exactly what so, yep. so, so I said. So I got caught in this persona of knowing, and, and now look at the campus that I was going. And, and the reason I say this, it, when I was my principal and it was me, I was still myself. I was pep rallies, doing raps, I was building, but I went to Ed White, I had to like stiffen up. It was mm-hmm. morale discipline, high rate, no play, you know, zero tolerance. So I I, I kind of reshaped myself into being that educator, but that's not who I was, right? So now all of a sudden I'm nose to nose and toes to toes with the kids, but the teachers are like, yeah, we got a good one, right? right. But the kids hated me, right? right? And so I tell people all the time, it's a catch 22. There's a quote I use that says, I don't have a discipline plan, I use a care plan. (laughs) And I try to tell them, the discipline plan is the adult plan. The care plan is the kid plan. But you know as well as I do, how many times have you grabbed a kid, Basil, and you said, get over here, Basil, yep. get over here. That's and right. then you get over here and you put your arm around him and you're like, look, you can't talk to her that way. That's right. You know, <laughs> right? Now, so far, or, or yep. and I'm like, yep. because if you true. had that conversation in front of them, they would see That's you right. as weak or unsupportive. Right. And so I try to tell teachers, like I lost who I was because now all of a sudden I became this figure on who they needed me to be, but that's not who my kids need to be. And that's not what brought me into education. So that's why I say I lost who I was and I became into something different. And that's why I'm glad restorative, like grabbed me and like yanked me back and said, hey, you just led the district with 1,149 types of suspension. I used to tell, listen, this is so embarrassing. I used to tell kids to kick rocks. If a parent couldn't suspend, if, if I had to suspend a kid and a kid couldn't get ride because they didn't have gas money or whatever, right. I would be like, well, you they can walk, right? And they're like, well, we live three miles from here, but they can walk, right? They're healthy. They got two legs. They're like, yeah. So I would sign them out in the front office, blah, blah, blah. I would walk them to the front door and I'd say, kick rocks. And the kid would be like, what do you mean? I'm like, go. Well, I live three miles. What does this text message say? Your mom says, walk your ass home, right? Get off on campus. I said, no, I, I take it. I was like, an, I was like an SRO. I was like the police officer. Let me make it easy. I walk you, which, which way, your direction you go? We're going, I walk you, there's the curb. Now look, I'm going to walk you off the curb. Now, now you're off the curb, right? Now get off the curb, walk backwards, get off the curb. Yeah. Okay. Property. All right. Now, now you off school property. Now, let me, I'm standing on school property. Now, if you walk back past this curb, that's a CTW. That's a criminal trespass warning. And the next one is that you don't have gas money. I give you a ride to juvenile detention. That's where we're going. Basil, that was me. That's the truth. No, but what, but, but, and and I'm not defending myself. I'm very, but it wasn't you. Yeah, but, but, but but it wasn't me, but, but it was, but I'm telling you, like, I look back and I'm like, Kevin, holy cow, the way you talk to kids and your attitude. Where was that grace? Where was that patience? Where was that love? Where was all the things that you knew kids needed, particularly in a school with the demographics that you're in? And I gave them everything opposite that, man. And that's why I'm telling you, like, I, I, it was like an awakening Mm. of like, oh my God, Mm. I'm part of the problem. Mm. And let's just be honest, my skin color is part of the problem because I'm the guy and the parents would come in to see the white man, kick the black kids out and have, you know, and having, you know, you 
I, I just was like, oh my I god! Was out of the cycle. No, oh yeah, I was. I was. I'm literally part of the movie that you show yeah. when you say this is the problem with education. You can put Kevin Curtis in there, like you know, as the administrator. <laughs> I'm making fun of, it, but I'm just saying, man, that right. was me. Yeah. And yeah. now I look back at it, and and you know, I think we all go through everything to reshape us. But I will say, am I thankful? Yeah. Yes. Did the relationships that I able to build with those kids because I looped up with them for three years as an administrator that was very unique. Wow. But that but but one of my girls and I share a real quick testimony. One of my girls, she always struggled behavior, all kinds of different things. But it wasn't until her third year she finally said, "Look, Mr. Curtis, the reason the reason I struggle so much is because my mom's addicted to crack." Mm -hmm. And she said, "But she won't admit it, so she smokes it at night and she tries to hide it." So I went to my, I went to her dealer and I told her dealer to, to stop selling to my mom and she came home and beat my ass. Mm. And I said, oh, wow. So, I mean, her name was Bonnie and I had an amazing relationship with her. Well, her dad, I, I, I built relationship with both her parents and um, her dad passed away mm. and it was crazy. And, and, and you get this, but me and one of her favorite teachers, who is a white female math teacher, who just, they were like, it was like her mother. I thought we were, they were going to adopt. I thought she was going to adopt her. Us two walked into her dad's funeral. Everybody in there is black. I'm just telling you, only two white people in there, Basil. But when we walked in, she was like, now the teacher, I could see, because there, but she was like, Mr. Curtis? And I said, look, sweetheart, like, just because we're not together doesn't mean I don't want to know what's going on in your life, right? And she just gave me the biggest hug. And I just remember sitting there in that funeral and I said, man, it felt good to feel like that I was there for her today, much like your teacher for your graduation, right? right? right. Now, sad story was two years later, she came up missing. And then 10 months later, they showed a drawing on the news of a young girl that was found in a ditch. And they did a read, they, they did a sketch of her based on the her. skull. Yeah, it was her. She was in a gang. And she was shot and killed and left in a ditch. So, but man, I will tell you, I look back and, and I try to say as much as I was an a-hole at times, some of those kids with nose and nose and toes and toes, they would come back the next day and say, man, and I would tell them, man, I'm sorry I acted the way I did yesterday. And they said, you know what, Mr. Curtis, I'm sorry too. You know, I went off, you went off and I could have that relationship with them, man. And uh, man, I missed that. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you though too, Kevin. Thank you for sharing that story, man. Absolutely. I'm gonna tell you that that kid. There are certain kids too that need tough love too, right? And they the way they know you care is because you tough on them, mm -hmm. right? Some kids. Some kids don't need the the cupcakes and sprinkles. Like oh, they God. need love, and they need to know that that's how they know you care about them. Because mm -hmm. if you were given them that, I don't even want to use the word soft, but if you were given them the opposite of that um of what you gave them they they wouldn't have known you know what i'm saying absolutely no i totally I, agree with you and so and so sometimes you, but you gotta but i'll say this too you gotta know your kids so just like if you have a relationship with kids you'll know certain kids that want to be recognized publicly and there are certain kids who want to be recognized in private don't tell everybody i got an a on the quiz because i want to be a tough kid <laughs> mm -hmm. so don't you know what i'm saying so the, yes but you gotta know your kids so there's plenty of kids when i worked at the alternative school that i might put on a post note i see you Right. But I couldn't I couldn't do do my Friday announcements in the class and say, you know, oh, Xavier got a, I got an A on the quiz. That would have been a problem. Mm, right. But, yes. but, I, but I put it on the post, though, and we had a little head nod and that was it. But we knew what was happening. But I, but you got to know you got to know your kids. And I, I, I need educators to understand that you can't do a cookie cutter template for all kids. You And, and but you got to have a personal relationship with all kids to know what they need, right? To know what, what tick makes them tick, to make them know what, what brings joy. 
Like you got to know your kids. And, and, and like I said, I'm going to go back to that point with principal Kefali. Are you teaching math or teaching Matthew? Mm. Right. I tell my, my teachers now being an education, and we kind of spoke about this a little bit earlier that I tell teachers now it is 70% you're a teacher, 30% you're a social worker. Mm. You got to know what's going on internally. You got to know what's going on in the house. And you got to know what's going on in the, in the hallways. There's so many different things that impact the kids' day, that uh, impact the way they see the world or, or impacts their perspectives. It's not like it was 20, 30 years ago where you taught the curriculum and that was it. It's, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than yeah. that. Um, I, I agree with you. And uh, I, think, I, I think then something that as you and I try to disrupt the system, what we have to push for, and, and I think it's, it's slowly going to happen, and, and as a result of this pandemic, I think we're becoming more aware of what you just described, that our roles and responsibilities are shifting. Yeah. We, we are not masters of content, and I stand at the board, and I'm going to deliver the content, and you're yeah. beneath me. And, you know, nope. like, like now, with social emotional and trauma-informed practices and yeah. all the things that the students are going through, and I think, I think if anything, if you were hesitant or if you were on the on the fence and ah is this really impacting i think the this pandemic hopefully has given you some insightness to say okay this is real then i think what has to happen is basil one we need to phase the educators out that can no longer like my teacher that retired that just says i can't i can't be a social worker and teach math right because then then unfortunately you're gonna have to find a school to work at where they're just really good at math and not math, right? right? Then, 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 then here's the other new coming teachers in. There's nothing out there for new teachers, Basil. And that's what I'm really working on. There's nothing out there for new teachers that when new teachers come into education, they understand that mindset. They don't understand, oh, you're just, you know, it's like teaching in the old ways, but yet it's 2020. We yeah. got to start getting in front of new teachers and say, hey, you're not going to be just a teacher. You're going to be a social worker and you're going to have to know about this. You need to know about trauma. You need to know about social emotional learning. You need to know about all the things that kids are being impacted because that's going to impact your class. And we no longer can sit back and just say, no, it isn't. Right. But I, I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you a system that we've done for so long, Kevin, that, that continues to perpetuate what you spoke about is when new teachers come in, potentially if they get a mentor, a lot of times, and again, I'm going back to a word of being intentional, principals will pick the, te- the, the, the older teacher that is, that is good at content. Mm-hmm. And that will be the person who's mentoring the newbie. So you're going to get all the old school, last 20 year stories that is not really relevant to right now. Well said. And so so that, that new teacher, she or him will then start to, 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 to again implement what they're hearing right? Mm-hmm. right so i think we need to get away from that from that 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 kind of like grow your own kind of thing and it might be the other teacher it might need to be a teacher who's been in there five years but they know they're more well-rounded that might be the mentor teachers you need to have but so many principals have been stuck on that well so-and-so is great at content they have the best eo eo sol score so we're going to put them with that it's not about that anymore it's the teacher who's well-rounded is providing the best service for kids. No, I um, think that's, so you got point A, educate them and get them there. And then B, once they get into the real field, give them somebody that's actually yes. going to support that mindset yes. and those tools that they're that they're building as yes. they're preparing for education versus the same system that's churning yes. out the same educator. So I do hear you. You could churn out a different educator and then put them in with a mentor and they're like, 
Hey, you should eat lunch. You should eat lunch in the teacher's lounge every day. Oh, hell no. Don't go in there. Right. Like in, anybody knows anything. You don't. That's the cancer place, man. That's right. That's right. Like, that's a, like, come on now. Let's just be real. That's where that's where all the bitching and moaning and the squeaky yes. wheels are starting yes. to try to figure out how to get oiled in there. But like, let, no. But let me say this too, Kevin. Yeah. Education. We'll, we'll give you two analogies. Education is one of the only fields, right, where where we don't we don't do a lot of training like we should be. And what I what I mean by that is in the business world, if I know I'm getting a promotion and you know you want to to be in my job, you you're gonna allow me to. The, a supervisor will say, "Well, Kevin Shadow Basil." So he so he bounces to his new spot, and then you kind of learn the role, right? And it does, mm-hmm. it does happen in some facets in education. Sure, but the business world does it with fidelity, right? Right. And, or that's that's one kind of like grow your own kind of train the trainer. But then the other thing is, if I was going to have brain surgery, right, I'd be looking for a brain surgeon that's been in the game twenty years plus before I spend this money to have my brain operated on, right? Right. Education is the only place where we put the most greenest, brand newest teachers. Now, I think that's made up a new word, but-, but I love it. Teachers- <laughs> in Throw the, them in. In the most at-risk classrooms <laughs> and say, good luck. Right, and then they're like, deuce, I'm out. And you're <laughs> like, where are you going? And you're like, you're running them out of education. And- Because you're not setting them up, like you said. It's almost like, you know, well, like we talk about an IEP, right? Like, like you need an individual education plan for each teacher. Where, okay, what are their strengths and weaknesses? How much experience do they have? Do they have tough skin? Do they have light skin, right? You know, thin skin where they're not going to be. So we want to be able to put them in that. Well, it goes back to saying, it's it's, it's almost like I realized this. I had a huge blow up. I had put my gentleman I mentioned earlier, Mr. Bottom, he was an eighth grade teacher. I, I don't even know why when we were assigning duty, you know, you, right. have, you do that, you all still yeah. have to do that sometimes, Basil. <laughs> yeah, yeah when we, but we all of a sudden one day I put him, whoever did it, we put him in the sixth grade area. Well, hell, mm-hmm. he don't know no sixth grade kids, right? <laughs> That's a and, for well, well, no, which, which is, and listen, this is a reflection on this is a leadership. What was even worse is we had a sixth grade teacher downstairs. And the reason I say that is sixth grade was upstairs, eighth grade was downstairs. downstairs why yep. in the hell we got those teachers flipped, right? Well, here's why. Because Mr. Bonham is took something in the afternoon. He got a Route 44 Dr. Pepper. He loves caffeine. So if he ain't drinking coffee, he's drinking like something Coke, right? That's right. And Teddy, Teddy, little boy, runs into the back of him in the middle of the hallway because he's doing duty. He knocks his Route 44 out off the, uh, that, you know, on the ground. So now you yeah. have like, uh, what is it like caffeine abuse, right? right. And, and then he turns around and Teddy says, This 10, 11 year old boy says, Watch out, MF. Oh. <laughs> and, and then I think he threw the N word at him too, right? Ooh. And then walks to class. And so that Bonham grabs his kid, goes him by the ear, takes him down there, you know, and da da da. And, uh, and I, I'm not saying we could have prevented it, but I, it was the first time I looked, I said, why is Bonham on stairs? Like, I thought he was out of place, right? We That's look right. at the duty, right? That's right? And I'm like, not to say that Ted, to anywhere near Teddy's actions, right, right, right. condoning it, but it was like, why do we have that person there? Yeah, yeah. He don't even know these kids, right? right. And he's big. <laughs> like, you know, like, he's big, big. Like, put right. him, if you're going to have sixth grade people, put him in sixth grade people. Right. So, no, I, I think intentionality, I think, is a key word in creating any type of change. That's I right. think... As you're mentioning, new teachers, experienced teachers, relationships, math, it doesn't matter. If we're not going to be intentional, we're not going to get sustainable. And without sustainability, 
Basil, we could be five years later, you know, revisiting on this podcast going, hey, didn't we talk about this five years later? You know, that's five right. years that's ago. Right, right. 2020, we're talking about 2021 now. We're talking yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like what we, what you and I, along with all the other change, the, the gatekeepers of change and disruptors in here, I think we need to continue to pressure and put our points out there into where and, and find any avenue where people will listen to us right. so that we can educate them, motivate them, and really convict them to start understanding if we don't change, That's right. if we don't change, That's the right. system is not going to change, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, uh, man. Brother. Listen, I, I, hey, this I, is going to be a two part. I'm just letting you know, this is part one <laughs> and part two. So I'm just letting you know, man, this was in. Hey, as long as it took me to get you on the show, I'll grab, I'm going to hold you as long as possible. There so it I, is. No, I man, no, you, man. no, please don't, man. Hey, <laughs> um, before we go, I want to give a shout out. So I know we talked about Jeff and the book earlier. So can we yeah. bring up the book again? And, and Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. let's let, so, let them know a little bit brother, more about brother, where they can get that. Yeah, brother, I appreciate this. So the book's called It's Me. Uh, again, author is Jeff Kupiak. And uh, it's a phenomenal book to talk about what, what Kevin and I spoke about a little bit earlier about the labels and the, the the prejudices and a lot of the racial tension that has been that has really come from from that's been around for a while. Let's not be let's be clear, it's been there. But we the, I think the eyes and ears of the world was open on a different level um, since George Floyd's death. And so that was right around the time he had started working on the book. And a lot of the the kids who are in the book who are in the book, teachers, is about just 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 breaking down the status quo. And knowing that that we have to uh, create inclusive spaces for everyone, for everyone, and so I'm just honored that I could be one of the uh, featured characters in the book, um, in there as well. But again, it's a phenomenal book. I would say definitely for for young children, but also children in middle school and high school to start to have with some of those courageous conversations. Um, I even have to say that even after yesterday, or even after yesterday, when we saw the Capitol building, mm-hmm. we, we have to create spaces, you all, for kids to be able to ask questions, and for them to have a safe place to say. What happened? Why did that happen? Was that was that okay? We we have to start to 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 dismantle some of these conversations because just like with anything else, if we let it bottle up, that's exactly why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. But we need to tell the truth and be able to have some of those conversations and open up that door for access for this is why, right? And this is how you correct in, in a, po- a correct political way. This is how we handle it, right? And so I think th- that so I love the book. I love the idea of the book. Um, you can you can buy it on Amazon and just put it's me Jeff Kupiak and it's available on Amazon as a publisher was Edge and Match. So definitely excited about that. I love it because the, if I remember right, so all the characters are like true stories, right? Yeah. Like these are all so the, the, these are people's stories that Jeff has gathered over the years and mm-hmm. turned them turned yeah. these real life characters into a book. So yes. that when you read it, just understand the impact is coming from real life experiences. So uh, I've ordered it. I definitely can't wait to take a look at it. But I'm, I, like you said, I think it's it's cool that you, you know, that you're represented as a character in the book um, okay. in, in everything that you're about. I think congratulations. I think that's awesome. How else can people just if they want to follow you or if they want to know more about you, reach out to you, Basil, do you, whatever you want okay. to I, I, I mean, I don't want to force people, but in other words, like, if you're if you're available, <laughs> how do you want people to follow you or to get a hold of you or get to know you better? Absolutely. The best way to contact me would be um, on Twitter. So I'll say at Basil, B-A-S-I-L underscore Marin. That would be the best way to contact me. DM me on Twitter. I'm pretty accessible. Um, the next way I'll say through my website, that'd be www.basilmarin.com. If you're looking for a speaking opportunity, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to open up my own uh, company this year. Uh, called Equity Elevation LLC, and I'll be doing some equity consulting um, with superintendents, school boards, um, divisions, 
and really try to start to have some of the conversations that we're having, Kevin and I are having, um, I believe people want to have those conversations with someone that they can trust and, and really start to un- ungravel, kind of really look at how can they start to rebuild some mm-hmm. of these systems in schools. Because again, I've never lived through a hurricane, but we are we are in a huge storm right now. It is not until we step out of this and we'll see all the damage that's really been done. So I believe, you know, principals, schools will need help to, to be able to support that and, and really keep the main thing, the main thing, which is going to be equity. Um, so definitely something I'm excited about starting this year. Absolutely, brother. Man, congratulations on the growth in so many different ways. The doctorate, the book, uh, opening up the company. But as you said, I think until people will, until key stakeholders will really start to listen to voices of yours and mine and other people that are in our spaces. I think that's all we can continue to do, Basil, is is, right. is tell our story, tell our truth, own our pieces, be accountable for what we, you know, what we hear and learn and grow from it. And as as you grow, I grow. Uh, I thank you for being on the show today. I, I will tell you, it was fun. I love the stories. I, I love to get to know you a little bit even more better than than just the GTKY part. And, and I just think that your story is inspiring, but I also just want to thank you for, for again, I think your message is, like you said, it's about not setting limitations, right? Mm-hmm. And giving back. I mean, it's really like, I think, as you've mentioned, even with your teacher who you give credit for, she's flipping back the credit to you and say, I wouldn't have gone to this growth without you. So Basil, continue to never stop inspiring and giving unlimited supply of positive affirmations for kids and for educators continue to what you do man i wish you the best of the luck and i wish you a great 2021 man thank you brother you as well to you and your company and the rebranding that you're going to be doing i'll I'll tell you i'm committed to getting in some good trouble with you this year brother i definitely see more collaborations and more things coming along this year absolutely so hey before we start off hey guys remember if you want to know more about basil it'll be in the show notes to click on his website and those types of things more about us just head over to rclfirst.com Hey, thanks for tuning in for this long episode, part one and part two, and we will connect with you next time.